Our imaginations are immediately caught up by the uncommon story of some great miracle, but we often miss the small miracles that happen all around us, maybe because these small miracles are not so uncommon. Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our study today is taken from the first verses of 2 Kings chapter 6 and the case of an incidental miracle in which Elisha helps a man repossess an axe head that he's lost through a small miracle. In our story, the school of the prophets are living near Jericho. They've decided that they don't have enough room for where it is that they're meeting together. There were three different locations where the prophet would come and he would give instruction to a group of men that were learning and gathering instruction in order that they might go and declare the word and God's truth to the people of Israel. Also, because these were the strategic places where Elijah taught and where these individuals who had established themselves as wanting to be the faithful ministers of God's truth to the nation of Israel, this was a place where other people in the nation who had decided that they wanted to separate themselves from the idolatry that was predominant in the land of Israel at that time, when they wanted to come for instruction, when they wanted to come to receive instruction during festival seasons or holy days in the Judaic system of Israel, that they would come to these places to be instructed. And so at times, and particularly in certain seasons, it was a pretty crowded place. The effect of that instruction of Elisha was impacting the nation to such an extent that there were more and more people coming for that instruction to teach the word and more and more people coming to receive that instruction and to worship in these places during these holy days or festival days in the Judaic system. And they were running out of space. They're running out of room. And so these young prophets discuss the possibility that possibly they need to make a bigger place for themselves, go to another location. They suggest going down closer to the Jordan River. There are trees down there, and even in this spot, it might be a little bit more idyllic for them. And there, in that place, they would construct a larger place to gather and meet together. And there's where they'd receive their instruction, and there's where they'd receive other people who were coming in these different seasons in order to receive instruction themselves. Elisha is not offended by the suggestion that they came up with an idea without him and without his direction and leadership. I think he appreciates. He says, go and do that. Now, the wonderful thing is they weren't going to do anything that he didn't approve of, and so they sought his approval, but he was more than happy to give his approval. So they're about ready to take off, but then they're not happy to go by themselves. They want him to go with them. They enjoy his company and his fellowship, and so they ask Elisha to come along with them for this affair. He'll They'll do all the heavy lifting, they'll do all the cutting, they'll do all the constructing, but as we'll learn here, Elisha will have his own important contribution to make as well. While cutting down the trees for this new building, the axe head of one of the men slips off and falls into that deep river. Apparently, they didn't have a real easy way of securing iron axe heads onto the handle because actually in the book of Deuteronomy, there are laws that were made for individuals who accidentally killed somebody when they were swinging around an axe head. You know, if it slipped off and it killed somebody that was accidental, there were cities that they could run to for protection when the family was trying to get retribution against them. So it wasn't uncommon, I guess, to lose your axe head. And, and fortunately, this one didn't embed in somebody's head, but it did find its way into the Jordan River. The Jordan River is particularly deep in the region of Jericho and particularly muddy, and it's been lost. This individual is quite upset. 
he cries out and explains that it's been borrowed. The word borrowed there, by the way, is literally begged. He's not saying that he borrowed it from somebody. He's basically saying that it's irreplaceable. He got it in his poverty. Somehow it was gifted or it came into his possession, even though he didn't have the means to purchase it. And now that it's lost, he still doesn't have the means to replace it. And these were kind of expensive tools. It's also very likely that this was the only axe head that these individuals had together. And so work has stopped. Their plans have been waylaid because of this tragic event in which the axe head has fallen into the, the river Jordan. Elisha asks where it fell. They take him to the place. He goes and he cuts off or breaks off a branch from a nearby tree or it pulls up a little sapling could be the word for it as well and he he throws in the very spot in the jordan river where that axe had fallen in some people suggest that he took it and made a little point of it and he just shoved it down in the water like a little point down depths of water and then he just kind of pulled up on the end of it and axe said i think that's actually scientifically impossible right to use a little branch and twig and pull up an axe head in the bottom of it by piercing the place where it secures onto the handle more likely it floated, like it says here. Or King James says the axe head swam. It comes to the surface. Elijah says to the man, reach out your hand and pick it up. Take it back into your possession. I guess get back to work. Let's get back to work. And so ends our story. So here's our first lesson. It's a great story. And the first lesson is this. God is a God of small and incidental miracles. God is a God of small and incidental miracles, of All of the miracles of Elisha, this one seems to be the least necessary, the least significant overall in its effect. It doesn't stand out in the magnitude of the man who was just healed of leprosy. It doesn't stand out in the magnitude of the Shunammite woman whose son dies and is raised back to life. It doesn't fit within the magnitude of the story we read of the armies of Israel and Judah being out in a place where they have no water and about ready to die of thirst and be destroyed by the Moabites and God miraculously pours water out into this valley to provide for them and give them all the water they need and then gives them this great victory against the Moabites. This is just one person was fortunate, was blessed, to received even in his poverty an axe head and he's lost his axe head and it's come back into his possession again. It, it doesn't seem to fit within the context or within the grandeur of the other miracles that have been performed. The Bible is marked by miracles. In fact, we have very little that Elisha said. We, most of his life is testified before us because of the miracles that he performed. And the Bible is marked by miracles. And interestingly enough, if you read your Bible, you'll see that the majority of the miracles gather in three different locations. They gather around the life of Moses, and you see kind of like a proliferation of miracles at that time. And then kind of in the middle of the Bible story, they gather around the lives of Elijah and Elisha, and you see this proliferation of miracles at that time. And then you see at the end of your Bible in the New Testament, in the Gospels and among the Apostles, a new and a vibrant proliferation of miracles that take place at that time. And when you look at these miracles, almost all of them are miracles of, let's say, magnitude. They're miracles of magnitude. They're ones that demonstrate the saving power of God over the work of satanic powers or God's power to thwart and repeal the expressions and the influence of death that come upon us. God being able to drive back the influence of sin and its decay and its destruction that it wreaks in people's lives. 
Let's call those big miracles. They express something powerful and wonderful in that way. They include rescues from peril and certain death. They include raising people from the dead, healing the lame and the cripple and the blind, casting out demons, calming raging storms, or on other occasions, sending raging storms in judgment. In the New Testament, we have a number of individual accounts, at least 50, where the Lord Jesus engages an individual or a specific small group or cluster of individuals and brings healing to them or cast out a demon. We read of one of those stories this morning in our scripture reading of the man who brought his boy who was being cast into the fire by a demonic force that was in him and Jesus drives the demon out of the young boy and teaches a lesson to his disciples at the same time. You have about 50 of these accounts within the New Testament, but at the same time, you have at least 18 references to mask miracles that the Lord Jesus performs, where we're not told who the individuals were, and we're given the idea that it didn't just happen in some isolated occasion for one person here, or another person here, or a small group here, but it's a miracle, it's a session of miracles that take place. Matthew 4, verse 24 is one of these examples. I'll read you a few of them to you. Here we read that they brought to him, speaking of Jesus, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Mark 6, verses 54 through 56, we read this. And when they came out of the boat, this is the Lord Jesus coming off the Sea of Galilee, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered, into villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Now look, there's like 18 of these different episodes where we see this mass healing that takes place. Luke chapter 9, verses 11 and 10 says this. Then he, the Lord Jesus, took them and went aside privately into a deserted, deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitude knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were in need of healing. See this again and again. Each one of these accounts is an expression. or We see the Lord Jesus stepping in to address the effect of sin, the result of the death that sin brings, permeating and influencing the lives of people in their experience laying them low with sicknesses and deformities and diseases and demon possession and here are these mass occasions where the Lord Jesus is basically in a sense advertising that his mission is to repeal and to throw off the impact and the ultimate dread of death over those who would trust and believe in him. But then in the Gospels you have just a few occasions, just a few, in which you have these incidental miracles, what we'll call the small miracles, that are Addressing inconveniences, they might say. They're not matters of demon possession. They're not matters of disease. They're not matters of death. They're just moments when some inconvenience has arrived and the Lord Jesus provides some miraculous intervention to deliver that person from that inconvenience. In fact, the very first miracle we read that Jesus performed was one of those kinds of miracles. There's a wedding feast that's going on and An individual has not calculated properly how much wine he needs to provide for his guest, and he runs out of wine, and that's an embarrassment. I mean, it's unfortunate. Most of us have experienced 
or been to weddings when something embarrassing has taken place. It's actually okay, it makes a better story later on in life, but this somehow was a problem, and the Lord Jesus' mother, maybe she was the one who was given the responsibility to make sure that everything was in place, comes to the Lord Jesus and declares this difficulty and challenge they had, and, and the Lord Jesus turns, we know the story, he turns the water into wine to provide for the people in that place. There's another story. There's actually two other miracles I think of along these lines. The disciples are out fishing. It's at the very beginning of Christ's earthly ministry. They're out fishing and they've been fishing all night long and they had no success whatsoever, which by the way, I don't think is an unusual story for fishermen. I'm thinking that this happens on various occasions, that every person who's a fisherman has experienced not having success in the venture and they've not been successful. They've come in from the end of fishing all night long, and and that morning, the Lord Jesus, a crowd has gathered right where they brought their boats, and the Lord Jesus preaches from that spot while they're in their boats to the crowd that's gathered, and when the Lord Jesus is done preaching, he turns around to Peter and says, hey, push your boat back out into the water and throw your nets in again. Peter says, Lord, we've, we've fished all night long without any success, and just do it, Peter. So Peter pushes his boat out on the water. Now, this isn't necessary. This is not something that has to take place. He, He throws his nets in the water and they're filled with fish. The Lord Jesus demonstrates a power to him in that incidental moment. Heart of Life Radio is a represented ministry of the International Mission of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Your financial gifts make possible this ministry and our work to make disciples of Christ among the nations. Until the next time, may God bless you.